Hey, how's it going? Going well, how are you? I am okay. It's kind of a gray Memorial Day here, which is a holiday that I was not previously aware of. Um, is it a holiday in Canada right now on Monday, the 29th? Nope, it was Victoria Day last weekend. So, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which I believe is, you know, when we remember um, Queen Victoria's brave service in our country. Her military service, yeah. Right. Um, I think it might actually be, um, uh, it's like for my friend, um, Victoria, it's like her day. Um, just recognizing her really great cosplays and, um, you know, just all her good work for the anime community. I'm really glad our country's finally gone together because that cosplay is incredible. Just She does amazing. good work. Does She does great work. Um, at Sailor B, friend of the show. She was on Dad Feelings talking about Vegeta last year. Um, and she'll be on here sometime. But um, yeah, so I'm glad that you set aside some time to celebrate, um, to celebrate her. Very important, essential holidays. Um, Canada has some weird holidays, though. Do we? Well, I haven't really thought about it. Family Day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a weird one. It just, I don't know, sounds kind of fascist, to be honest. Like, just like really uncomfortable. It sounds, yeah. On At the once, it sounds um, menace, quietly menacing and also just the blandest possible holiday that anyone could conceive of. I feel like that is like the Canadian identity right there is kind of menacing, but like in the blandest way possible. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and TCAF was like a couple of weeks ago too, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it was lovely. Just, yeah. uh, I've been going for years and it's just really exciting. Just, uh, like a great show that has like a really wide range of, uh, comic artists. So it's, it's always... so cool. It's such a good thing. Um, and I love that it's not like a fan, like not that fan conventions can't be fun or whatever, but like, it's like a small press fair. And so like, it's not like a extravagant like movies and stuff and like people dress up and like actually the one time I saw someone dress up like everyone was kind of like what are you doing why are you the joker <laughs> it definitely like stands out a little I mean like it's it's held in the public library and it's just like free to go in so like half the people there are just people who just wandered in and I don't know that gives such a great vibe you know like you get to see actual people rather than like only the most intense comics I'm gonna go to a convention types yeah i love festivals that and are speaking like speaking as a like a, i'm going to go to convention types it's nice you know remember that real <laughs> humans exist yeah that is key um i love festivals that are like that um like also indicate in um in california is like that too where it's like out outdoors and you can sort of just like wander through which is really cool um much yeah i was yeah, much less insular than like your your kind of like PAXs or your your convention center spaces. Yeah, for sure. I was um like I was showing at Indicate once and just like they had all the finalists in this um this firehouse that they just like open up and put games inside and you just like have people literally wandering in off the street, don't know anything about what's going on and you're just trying to, to figure out how how do you explain this to something? How do you explain what you have to someone who doesn't isn't like completely insular in video games, like, which I am. So <laughs> it's always always good to look outside that. Yeah, it's so cool uh, to have like people have access to that stuff, and it's also really intimidating. Like as someone showing at those things, 
I think, where um, you can't start from like, well, it's a blank about blank. Like you have to reframe your way of describing things because um, every community of practice has language that becomes so rarefied and arcane to people outside of it that if you're like, oh, it's a dating sim, it's a choice-driven dating sim with multiple endings, blah, blah, blah. People are, are just like, what? What do I do? <laughs> Definitely sometimes you like need to explain on a, even when it's not like you're not used to going, oh, well, this is the Dark Souls of dating sims. Even when you're not like <laughs> using vocabulary like that, it's still, well, you interact with the game by reading. It's mostly about reading and you have choices that are about conversations and you sort of have to like break it down to just explain that, oh, yeah, no, this is this is a video game that isn't about shooting. It's about like reading stuff and you sort of have to like interrogate like what what even assumptions are people making about games usually less than you less than i ever think Mm. but it's always you have to explain oh well yeah there's choices and that's like that's what it's about Mm -hmm. i feel like often people fall into this trap of like just trying to find other touch points like it's like oh yeah it's like a choose your own adventure book but i feel like that's just reaching out to you know to other shorthands and you sort of realize just like how inaccurate you're being when you when you end up doing that yeah, yeah. Um, do you have? <laughs> is that like a weird experience for you to to sort of explain? Like at a even like in like a game heavy space, maybe it's harder there. Like just trying to be like, okay, so this is a game where most of what you do is read. I feel like I don't know. It's it's such a like a mix. Like there's definitely always. I feel like actually like showing at PAX, you always like have the, uh, the 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 person who came in off the street phenomena, except it's people who are into like action games or like Manchu games only. And they're actually bewildered by it just as much as the actual person coming on on the street is. Uh-huh. So you're like, oh, no, it's it's, it's about reading. When does the game start? Uh, you're, 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 you're playing it right now. This isn't an introduction. This is this is the actual game. Because <laughs> they right, just expect yeah. that. Whereas... Some people come in like they know, oh, this I already know what visual novels are, and they have their own expectations of what that means. Mm-hmm. I feel like in general, just ultimately like look what's really difficult about it is just like figuring out like how, how do you explain this to a person, especially when you know you're you know like you're running a show all day and you're sort of like really awkward and just running off a script and trying to figure out okay how how do I best explain this while also not just going into complete social overload. That is such a weirder experience, right? Like sitting behind a booth, having someone walk by, what regardless of like what you're selling or showing and just having them like, you know, they're just walking around. They could be there for any reason. And they're just like, they pick something up or start interacting with something. And you're like, uh, this is a thing that I've made about this. And here are all the aspects of it. Or you just sort of sit back and let them. And it's like, it seems sometimes like there is no right answer there. Like, it's just like something that you just have to feel out with each individual person. It's in my experience, it's been deeply strange. Well, especially because like, I don't want to waste people's time if it's not their right, sort of thing. Right. Like, I want to like, be like quickly, like, okay, this is not your thing. You can, you can move along now. And definitely I've done this to people like, you know, just like obvious, like huge bros. They're totally not into this at all. Um, and those are the guys who like, are like, come back with five friends. Like, dude, you got to check this out. This is a game where, uh, where you're this cool lesbian. And, <laughs> and it's like, I, I made a weird assumption here and yeah. I wrong. I, I, so it's always like trying to, you know, trying not to bore people, but at the same time, like, I probably shouldn't assume that 
you know, these these giant seriously like this 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 one bro brought like 10 people by the entire weekend. That's extraordinary. That is amazing and inspiring and I think it's yeah, it's a really good reminder that you know, you shouldn't assume people's gaming preferences based on <laughs> based on their stature or style of dress. Um <laughs> I feel like you could have a sign next to your demo like no this is not the demo this is what you're doing right now is the game you're playing the game right now um and then if people were like oh okay then you know they if they didn't get it then they're like okay this has saved me some time <laughs> but um <laughs> what has it been like like because I know you've shown some of your games like around the world right like didn't you show um your most recent game like um in Japan as well or am I making that up um, I did Tokyo Game Show uh, some number of years ago, and like we showed off the Japanese translation for the first time there, and that was definitely a, a very weird experience, mostly because I needed to like everything had to go through an interpreter. So that's just like a whole other layer to this already super awkward interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also just um, mostly been doing shows in in America. I do a couple of PAXs every year. You got your and, PAXs, you got your Comic-Cons, you got your, that's all the ones I can think of. Yeah, I, I, I try not to do too much because it's just, it's so it's really exhausting. Like mm-hmm. PAX is like four days long and. It's a gauntlet. I, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's like, that's a lot of talking to people. I'm just not that great at talking to people. And that's like four <laughs> solid days of it. It's a social marathon for sure. Um it's, yeah, even just having been to one of those things, like, um, as an attendee, it's also just so overwhelming and overstimulating and just, like, just the full force of the entertainment industry is brought to bear on your eyeballs and your earballs, and it's just, like, a lot. It's Definitely so much. Definitely feel like, in some ways, it's actually a little bit easier to be, like, showing than it is to just be attending because it's actually a little bit simpler like everything is just like this one interaction that you're going to be repeating you know a hundred times for the entire weekend you're just doing one thing you are single-mindedly focused on your own business mm-hmm. whereas when you're out in the like when you're on the floor you're just being overwhelmed by you know all sorts of shit you have people advertising to you people overwhelming you you're just like constantly reevaluating everything so when you're standing behind it and like you're just like surrounded by the crowd when you're when when you're like having a booth you you've got a table between you and that's just mm. like this, this this very safe uh like bubble around you people can't get up in your business cuz there's there's like a physical divider and yeah i feel like that like it's still like over exhausting and overwhelming but in some ways it's like very simple to go okay I am exactly three feet away from you. I'm going to run through the script and I'm just going to do this for four days straight. <laughs> yeah, you have a buffer. That's great. Um, because if you don't have a buffer, it is um, a lot. I remember one year that I went to a PAX, I think, and may, this may have been a couple of years. Um, so don't at me, but um, <laughs> I saw one very large advertisement for a game called World of Tanks. And I think they may have like been part of the sponsor or something like they were just everywhere. And there was another game called Warface and uh, <laughs> which is still to my mind, one of the greatest titles I've ever seen for anything. Um, 
but World of Tanks is pretty good too. <laughs> just like it's like cars, but tanks. There's just a world of only tanks, um, and they all have their war face. But uh, it's just like that. It's a lot of that, and so then. Then there's you and you are, and I guess maybe some people listening to this podcast don't know kinds of the kind of stuff that you do. How would you describe your work? Um, I make visual novels that are, my most recent one is about a lesbian who gets tied up on a boat. It's sort of a choice-driven narrative stuff. Lots of, uh, lots of really awkward conversations, lots of girls getting laid, uh, that sort of thing. Right. Yes. I think that is pretty accurate. Although, so you know, the traditional video game jokes yeah. and also girls getting tied up. That's well, there's the key elements of video game. There's a key um, that you use to do the cuffs. So there's the key. Um, mm. There's fruit, um, which I think there's drinks in the game. There's alcohol drinks with maybe some kind of fruit in them. So that counts. Um, there's a coin, I think, is another one. Um and there is money involved in the story, so it's a video game. Unfortunately, we don't have a skeleton, so you don't that, have that's a skeleton, and we don't really have a score. Although no score, wait, you no, don't need that, score. No, that joke's terrible. I'm not even going to make it. That's just no. Bad. Yep, I'm forbidding it. You've been, okay. It's verboten. Um, but the four elements, I think, those were the the catamites canonical elements of video game, um, and you hit most of them. So you know, seven. It's seventy five percent of a video game. That's 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 all that matters. That, Seven out of that's ten. That's a pass. Perfect score. That's a pass. Um, and um, you do also make a pass at many characters in the game. Um, so there's that too. Oh come on, that was just as bad as the score joke. Well, as the host, I enjoy certain privileges. <laughs> if you want to get your own podcast, then you can make your own terrible jokes. Um, but until then. I'm going to make all of the, the scoring jokes around here. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, um, it's a really incredible game. And I think if people haven't played it, even if they're not the kind of person who thinks that they're into video games, it's interesting to me as just on a purely technical level, uh, the architecture involved in something like this. In the same way that a project like Ryan North's um, Hamlet book or uh, the Romeo and Juliet book. I think I forget what it was called. Romeo is it Romeo called and or Juliet? And or Juliet. Yeah, I think the working title was Romeos and Juliets. Um, That's also good. But uh, but yeah, like just crafting this kind of project um, is so complex. And the thing about I think to a writer as about interactive fiction that's interesting is that you are putting so much work into something with the knowledge that many players will never see all of it. It's straight up, like, if you play through the entire game three times and, like, choose different things every time, you'll see about 50% of the words that I wrote. <laughs> that's unreal. So, and that's, like, me, like, trying to set a hard line. Like, all right, I'm not going to be more than half inefficient. Right. That's because, you know, it's just, there's just so much. And you try to make it, but at the same time, like, it makes it feel like, like what your choices are doing, like it actually, it makes a difference, not in the sense of, oh, you know, you can do anything, but rather it makes a difference in the sense that like, you really are getting a different experience every time. And you know that you're missing out on something, just knowing that like, there's something there, I'm not going to see it. But the fact that it really was there, like, it's not a trick. 
they're really these other choices are valid or in my case a lot of my choices are less about you know what's the top what's what's the moral decision to make and more about all right i've got three jokes you're picking one of them <laughs> yeah i know that is tough it's tougher than a moral decision when you have like three different cutting lines that you can say because to me like um and this is something that i talked about a lot when um Bennett Foddy was on the show last fall. Uh, we were talking a lot about Dragon Age because I was playing Dragon Age Inquisition at the time. And like, it's hard for me usually in those kinds of games to do the evil choice because it's like cartoonish. But like what those games don't appreciate, I feel like, is the kind of like, they don't, most of those kinds of choice-based dialogue games don't let you really be mean in a way that is funny or witty or cutting um and you just end up being a cartoon mustache twirling villain who just like punches out reporters and is just kind of a dick bag and like that can be enjoyable i guess but like it doesn't feel like i don't know like i feel like I, it's it not fun work. like i yeah. never do it I, no. I like i can never bring myself you know to be the yeah i'm gonna kick this puppy why, why would i do that <laughs> right. other than because you put this choice in red and said, oh, this is this is the bad thing to do. I feel like often like that sort of thing is just there to make you feel better about picking the good choice. Yeah. Which is fine. But also definitely like my goal in Lady Killer was I wanted, you know, to pick make picking the wrong thing or like the stupid thing or the like kind of mean thing to say, like feel fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important. Part of it is that because, like, the game, you know, like, really rolls with that. Like, you'll never be too cruel to someone. They'll always get back at you. Or, And if you are, then also everyone's kind of mean to you, too. So it turns into, like, you know, like, feeling like it's not – you're not being really terrible. You're just being mean to someone who's mean to you. And also, it's funny. Right. I feel like, you know, if you're making – an elaborate fantasy world at least part of this fantasy could be it's okay to be mean <laughs> well the other reason that i feel like it works as opposed to a lot of these games um is that in your your kind of big choice-based games you're so often a blank slate character and there's a character creation system where you can sort of make this person look the way you want and you can maybe make some choices about their background before the game even starts and um that kind of it's less of a role-playing game almost than more just you're projecting yourself into this fantasy world and you at the player get to do all these things um, by sort of making your avatar as close to you as possible and not everyone plays them that way but that is i think the way that it ends up being a lot of the time um but in in your game you are playing a person like a fairly established person and you can change the names and stuff but like it doesn't change who the person is um who is then also playing another role in which it makes sense that you would be a cruel person like there is this precedent set of like you're playing the role of someone who is kind of a dick and like if you don't do that if you want to be nice it is going to raise people's suspicion about like your performance as this person and maybe um cost you in that respect which like i thought was so smart right like we actually do like tie this in mechanically and that was a big thing to me was if you want to be nice you can be nice but you'll be punished for it because <laughs> you know you're doing a bad job playing this role and like that's okay and i feel like it makes 
choosing to be nice, like actually be more meaningful because Mm -hmm. like there's an actual cost associated with that. And it's also the case that like, you know, we tie this into uh, like systems with uh, like the romance options. So like there's one character who will help you with your suspicion, um, the beauty, she, um, she whips you. And then when she's satisfied with that, she'll go and like tell everyone, oh, no, no, this was actually like, he was actually being mean when you thought he was being nice. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's not suspicious at all. And then you have the other character who um, won't help you with that because she's shy and nervous and terrified. So it turns into you have to like figure out like how are you going to play it because what your partner will do for you mm-hmm. really makes a difference. Is it possible? Um, I will admit that I haven't actually pushed the system to its limits and tried this, but I did mostly try this on my first run. Um and so for my only run, I actually haven't played through it more than once. But is it possible to do an all-top run? Um, it, yes, it's possible. Um, it's a little bit more difficult than the usual run. Um, I sort of assume that players will mostly go with the beauty who you're submitting to. And um, because that's like that's sort of the, the easier one, at least in-game. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of this is, you know, Lady Killer is, I think, like really just like a a fantasy game and part of that fantasy is that topping actually exists and that (laughs) lesbians are capable of topping so there is a route where the beast can can do that and does that all six nights yeah i think i got to like four i don't know i think i ended up getting the 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 ending that where you have gone with both or something um so maybe after a few i just screwed up uh, and needed to like <laughs> to do that, um, but yeah, I know just the way that all of those narrative elements are actually tied into this the story and don't just feel like this thing that's slapped onto a game about something else. I think is like super cool. And I guess like something else is just like you're saying that like the beast is her own character. Like you're not you're not like it's not a, a blank slate, but mm-hmm. it still felt important that like there's multiple ways that she can go about things because she has different ideas about how you can approach things. So rather than like being, Oh, well there's only one correct decision because this is her character. And I feel like that's true of a blank slate too. You come up with a character like right at the start and you're like, all right, I'm going to make all these decisions in this way. And whenever a choice pops up, you're like, all right, this is the one that fits my personality. I'm going to pick that one up. Going to pick that one again. Okay. Yep. Paragon option, paragon option, paragon option, paragon op- whole game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead, this is more, well, there's multiple approaches. They're all consistent with their character. Some of them are, you know, it's within her character both to be mean because she wants to fit in, to, like, say something funny because she just says the first dumb thing that comes to mind, or, you know, um, I wanted to feel like these choices both mean something and also still all come from this very well-defined character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that, <laughs> that so much of that, like that, the character can vary so much depending on, on who is playing that character um, is, is pretty cool. Like, I think that's a pretty great accomplishment of like your beast can be like a very different person but still feel like a person in a way that i feel like 
your hawk or your inquisitor from like a dragon age game um doesn't really feel like the same i mean they feel like the same person in ways that are kind of boring because those ways are sort of scripted by the narrative um but they feel like different people in ways that don't really make any sense um like they can just be radically different people as opposed to the beast is really she's the same person she just in this playthrough she made a lot of really bad decisions and this one she was a little more clever or a little more mean so it's the same person just you know she just thought about things a little bit differently totally yeah so what are you working on now if you can say Right now, I'm working on learning how to relax again. I spent uh, <laughs> that's key I spent three years on Lady Killer, and by the like, the last one was just like a constant, constant uh, feeling of being burnt out entirely. And yeah, I was like, oh, I could throw myself into another project, just immediately hit the ground. No, that's terrible. That's really unhealthy. I should like actually learn how to relax, maybe play video games on my own again. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to take it a little more easy. I've got like a few projects that I'm just, I'm just trying to spend a year, do a bunch of like small things. So right now I've got uh, this sort of interactive fiction piece about uh, a murder robot who's stuck in a time loop and has to rescue a princess. That's the most video gamey thing I'll ever make in my life. <laughs> it's actually got everything. It's got a red key, it's got a skeleton, and it's got a score. Nice. So all, all the elements. Um, I'm also just collaborating with a friend on this um, game meant for like Twitch streaming. Uh-huh. Because sort of, um, we've been doing a little bit of that just for fun, just once a week. Oh, we, me too. Yeah. It's just like, honestly, just like nice and low pressure. It's like only 30 people watch every week. And I feel like that's actually like kind of a relief. <laughs> so you're not on that Twitch affiliate uh, grind? You're yeah, not no, trying to we're crank, not, we're crank not up those numbers? Money. No. But part of it has been like we're just like figuring out like what makes a game fun to stream, and mm-hmm. so we're working on a thing that has this audience participation element where like the streamers playing their own game, and everyone in the audience can like go play mini games on their phone. They can help out the uh, the streamer, and like they'll show up on screen and take credit for helping take down the boss. So that's Ooh. something on on the side. Just that's, I like that. That's really cute. Yeah, and that's been fun. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I've been thinking about streaming a lot lately, just partly because I've been doing it. And just like the whole practice is really fascinating to me. And like on the one hand, um, I feel weird about the way that like so many activities that like were previously just like kind of private like acts of um uh, recreation or relaxation have become public facing performances. Um, but at the same time, when I have streamed, I've been like, oh, this is actually like in certain cases, this actually like um, makes this more fun to me because it transforms something that feels solitary and um, and kind of insular into something that is in a way kind of social and and kind of feels like I'm interacting with people and it it often does feel a little less I think at the level when you're like not having like thousands of of people watching it's less like an audience and more like you are you have people in your house and they're just like watching you play a game or vice versa I do feel like you know like it's still like a little bit performative but in a way that like being social is inherently a little bit performative and that feels fine to me 
part of what we've been doing is just like it's the two of us streaming so we can sort of um like both be like talking back and forth and also like talking to the chat it feels like it's just like just opening up our living room rather than you know being one single person being doing a performance Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's just a good vibe like it's just fun yeah no it's um it's nice i get why people do it like I could definitely see that turning into like something that feels unhealthy, like for example, something more like Twitter, which is all about the uh, the unhealthy, uh, you know, open social performative. <laughs> and I mean, Twitch like wants you to do that kind of right. Like they want um, you to sort of be on that grind and i think there always is that fantasy for a lot of people of oh this could be i could make money from this and even i have found myself thinking that like because the first time i did it i was like oh i have 150 subscribers like oh i'm within the thing to get on this twitch affiliate thing like maybe i should and then i'm like oh do i want to be thinking about money while i'm doing this too and it's like on the one hand like well i'm thinking about money all the time anyway um because capitalism but um, but I would like there to be some spaces where I don't have to quite as much. It'd be nice. Yeah, it's nice, you know, relax and not be thinking, well, if I relax in a slightly different way, I could probably bring in more monetization. It's also like the, the Twitch affiliate thing is like you have to be doing it like multiple times a week. Like it's a very specific like you must be doing it this often. Whereas like we just like do it once a week, which I feel like is like a really, you know, chill and casual way of going about it. Whereas they're like really pushing you like, all right, you must spend this many nights a week. Yeah, and no, they do want you to have a nine to five streaming player announced battlegrounds for sure. Which is I don't know, that that just seems so weird. It seems bad. It's so bad. But like I bad. mean people uh, it's not bad that people make money from it, I guess, but, like, most of the oh, people no, who make absolutely. money from it are, like, Twitch and, like, advertisers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's weird to me because, like, um, I don't know. I've talked about this maybe before on this podcast, but, like, t- streaming is just, like, the boy version of camming. Um, <laughs> but then also, like, a lot of cam girls now have... Um, Oh, I actually talked about this on the bonus episode with my friend Casey Plett that either is going to go up next week or went up right before this. But um, we talked about how, yeah, like camming, like cam girls have started streaming too. And like, um, because a lot of them are huge nerds. And so like, there's this crossover between like cam audiences and stream audiences. And like, they often like get customers from like one to come to the other, which is like really weird and fascinating. I definitely, I definitely respect that a lot. That's yeah. That hustle is like really yeah. powerful. But uh, I was in a stream the other day, like um, someone else's, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> uh, if you have a lot of people watching, it's a nightmare because like I was watching the Polygon stream of a game, and um, basically all it was was people shouting memes. And then someone would say something and people would just like, everyone would repeat it in the hopes of creating a meme or something. And it was just like, oh my God, this is hell. This is hell world. Yeah, I don't know if that's a social interaction. That just feels like something much, much weirder. That's just everyone screaming for attention at, like, at famous internet people in a really scary way. I feel like that's the thing. Like like watching like big streams, it's just like you, you have to you know turn the chat off because the chat is people who... 
feel like they want to be part of the attention that this is getting rather than like, you know, it being like a small conversation. I feel like that's like what's been fun about our streams is that like it's often like very conversational. Often we'll talk about like a technical element and someone will ask a question and, you know, we'll have to answer that or someone else will chime in with their knowledge of the subject because like we didn't know. And I feel like like that sort of back and forth Mm -hmm. feels like a very sincere sort of uh, social interaction. And I mean, part of that is definitely like, you know, whenever you're in a conversation, you want attention. But if you have to shout over a bunch of other people to do so, and the only way you can like find that is by shouting the same thing. I don't know. I, I don't know what you actually get out of that. It just feels overwhelming and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, I don't know how people do it. God, we wish them the best. I, I hope you survive in the stream chat. Yeah, please be safe out there. Just it's uh, stay stay dry and warm, you know. What kind of games are you playing now that you're trying to learn to relax again? Um, I've recently been playing Persona 5 for about 50 hours now. This 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 awful thing happened where I, I immediately got out of um like working on the game and I was like, all right, I'm finally going to check out all these small indie games that I really want to. I've been meaning to play for a while. Um, the IGF happened. I played all all the uh, all the games that were in my category. Then then suddenly every single giant AAA release that I don't even normally care about these big games that much, but for some reason every single one that I cared about came out all at the same time. So played through Near. I'm playing through Persona, and after this, there's another fucking Zelda game that I need to go through because it actually looks great. And yeah, 50 hours into Persona 5, which is unfortunately really good. Like, I love it. It's it's really stylish, and that matters a lot and kind of has its hooks in me. Now, that is the fifth Persona game, if I understand correctly. There's there, There's been many. That's actually many incorrect. Others. There's like 20 of them, right? <laughs> Probably. And then, like, another million Shin Megami Tensei games. Yeah, they, I don't know. they have Street Fighter Syndrome, which, did you see that? Okay, I Capcom is just, like, I admire their fucking balls so much. Because, like, Street Fighter 2 comes out in, like, what, 93? 94? I think it's earlier, I think. like I'm going to look this up, because I am 91. Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior, um, which is like the Street Fighter game, because Street Fighter 1 was weird and not anything. Yeah, that's not it. No one cares about that. Um, So when people think about Street Fighter, they're thinking about Street Fighter 2. That game came out in 1991. It's 2017, and Capcom is releasing Street Fighter 2 on the Nintendo Switch. And it's not like an emulated it's not like a whatever eShop or anything they're releasing a new retail version of this video game from 1991 um which is like incredible like my hat is off to you because that takes some fucking guts <laughs> like how many street fighters are we up to now like six seven 
five? Who knows? It's oh, impossible I, I, to I, know. I don't know. I, I don't know how to count, and they don't know either. Because... Well, they don't either because they were stuck on two for like six years. Um, Capcom does not know how to count to three, being a popular joke in the 90s. Uh, but I, I, I believe the order is one, two, zero, three. Uh, that, that's how you count, right? Alpha somewhere in there. Um, oh, alpha is also zero. So just just really bad with numbers. Just throwing in some letters in there too. Great, really. Um, but yeah, that's just good for them. You know, I feel like if I get to that point where I'm like, I'm selling this thing that I made over 25 <laughs> years ago uh, for forty dollars, and uh, it's bad, but uh, you're gonna buy it. Like that's a good place to be. So super limb the new challengers when. Oh man, I haven't thought about that in a while. That video game? Uh Is that a is that a video game? Do you know anything about that? No, it doesn't matter. No, that's all those are all forgotten to time these references that no one uh understands anymore. So, we, we no one really knows what they mean at this point. Um, that sounds great. Like escaping you from your a little actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, but at the very least, I'd love to like have my like my my early work just be forgotten about. Just no one ever brings it up ever again. So you don't want anyone to bring up the game about escaping a cave, but the cave is also a vagina. Oh wow, that's a really, really deep cut. <laughs> I know, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, so I did speak. my research. Yeah. I'm doing Nardwar on you right now. <laughs> I'm doing a Nardwar. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, gloriousTrainwrecks.com, you know, uh, oh check it out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I feel the same way though. And I feel like, uh, cause I, I've had this, this conversation with a lot of people lately, um, and mostly in the context of wanting early mistakes erased and feeling lucky that my early mistakes aren't codified on the internet in the same way that like, um, you know, teens right now are. But, um, sure, but also, terrifying. yeah, but also just like artistic work. And like, I, um, honestly, the nice thing about electronic work or games is that to some extent you have a little bit more control over that than you do, uh, with a book for instance, or a film, because, uh, you can just delete things. Uh, and obviously sometimes they'll be archived and, you know, people will have screenshots or downloads or whatever, but like to some extent you can remove those things from your history. And I have done that. A lot of my early work has just been vaporized. Um, and it feels so good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just don't like put that up anywhere. I don't also like sort of like, like the good side of, uh, technology's awful obsolescence problem is I just keep getting support emails for, for, what, like one of my earliest games and i'm just like no actually i i, I can't help you play this <laughs> I, I won't sorry call the nintendo tip line it's old and it's not very good i, I can't help you i'm stuck on level three of the dungeon <laughs> how do i get the wizard to have sex with me <laughs> this is a serious question but i do i w wizards don't have sex <sighs> you, you can't it's not possible damn They'd lose their magic powers. Oh, is that how that works? I, I believe that's probably how that works. But I feel like Harry Wizards Potter fuck. fucked. If my fan fiction is any indication, Harry Potter definitely fucked. I, I believe your fanfic might be non-canonical. Fuck. It's oh. just can't be done. 
<sighs> well, I'm going to have to throw out all my Snape Dom fanfic then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's real. And it is. Wow, we were having a great conversation and Snape Dom came in and. Yeah. Now I'm just going to be thinking about that a lot. He puts his Dom robe really on. Uncomfortable. He put, oh. He's got his Dom robe. He puts on his robe and wizard hat. Um, wow. Now there's the deep cut. And then he uses the the binding curse on, I don't know, that cat one or something. I don't know. I don't know anything. <sighs> Maggie Smith. Yeah, her. Um. Anyway, that's we'll cut this. We'll cut this out. We'll cut all that. That's just the world cut, needs to never hear about. Cut, this. cut, cut all, cut all that. First, um, yeah, just it, put it in the tomb of Harry Potter. It's all, it, yeah, it's good garbage in the in the bank there. It goes into the chamber of secrets. In the th- thank you, yeah, that is an actual thing that exists in Harry Potter. Um, now, where was I going with that? Um, Dom robes. Was it? We've been getting into some OG memes here. Um, Just some really old memes. I was watching the other day um, because I have a roommate who's younger than me, and I believe you're a few years younger than me as well. Um, And every once in a while, I'll just turn to my roommate and be like, "Hey, you've seen um, like you've seen Lobster Magnet, right? Like that's you know you know you know about Lobster Magnet, right? Because like I firmly believe that the kids have to learn about Lobster Magnet sometime." and so I was watching a lot of Animutation the other day, and I somehow did not realize that um, that ultimate battle of Ultimate Destiny. Are you familiar? I'm I'm familiar. Yeah, is a Neil Sicarega joint. I found this out recently, and it was the least surprising thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I was a little it's like, surprised. It's like shocking backstory, but also like fits in perfectly with this yeah well i was also kind of surprised to realize that neil sicarega got his start really online doing animutation and he is one of the people who really made that a thing i'm really glad that like he's managed to escape from that though like that's not what he's known for can can you imagine being known for mr rogers in a bloodstained sweater as a punchline like that's your that's the highest you've ever achieved it would As be bad. Artist, it would be bad. I feel, like, I feel really bad about that. Um, if people do want to hear more about Mr. Rogers, not in a bloodstained sweater, but um, just we recently did a, uh, a Mr. Rogers dad feelings and uh, it was um, it was really good. Um, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, he didn't kill Batman or like uh, any other of the characters that that song would suggest that he slew. So um yeah, we only really do one segment on this show, um, and the rest is just what we've been doing so far. It's just jazz. It's just, you know, freestyle. It's just um, it's just like in Parappa the Rapper when, like, it says you're just supposed to hit the one button when the time goes off, but, like, the more that you mash on it, actually, that's how you get up to rapping cool. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Really? No wonder, yeah. no wonder I sucked at Parappa the Rapper. No, yeah, that is apparently the secret to rapping cool is um, you don't just do it when you're supposed to. You just really do it a lot in between when you're supposed to as well. Um, and uh, you, like when the guy is like, chop, kick, you're like, chop, 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 kick, 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 kick. Um, and that's you rapping cool. So uh, where I was going with this was that 
the rest of the show is really tightly structured and rigid, and we must never forget its confines pressing in on us at all times. Um, and that part of the show is called Recommendations, and um, that is where I demand, um, nay, a kindly request that you recommend something to our audience of listeners who uh, will hang on your every word. And uh, if you have something that is like, it could be a game, it could be music, it could be a movie, it could be, it doesn't have to be a cultural product. It could be a thing that you do, like uh, taking long bike rides, um, anything like that. Um, you recommend something and then I recommend something or vice versa. You know, we can switch it up. I can go first. Um, and that's the segment basically. Hmm. That's a difficult one. That? I want you to recommend something first. You want me to recommend give, something first? Yeah, because well, that'll, that'll give me time to think. Well, I do. I should say that um, I didn't inform you of this segment beforehand because I forgot. You just sprung it on me. This is. And, I, I, I need to. Um, I need to be thoughtful now. Part of the reason that I forgot is because I forgot that it exists until just now, and um, so I also forgot. I don't have like a list of these or anything. Um, I just make them up off the dome. I just spin them um, like a pizza, and whatever wherever it lands, let the pieces land where they may. So, um, I what am I going to recommend? Because I think recently I have recommended things like books i recommended my own book which was fun uh it, that is within your power but we also will put links to lady killer and a bind on the show notes i and, want to um, recommend my own work like that's t- both tacky and also requires self-confidence and I, I don't feel like mustering that right now well that's fine we won't ask you to muster anything you're not comfortable mustering um thank you yeah well you know we're we we're a safe space um you don't have to muster anything. Um, what am I going to recommend? Um, I actually have something in my hand right now that I could recommend, but I don't know if it's... Um, I bought a fidget cube. Ooh. Yeah, I'm I'm so far behind the culture that I don't have a spinner. I just have a cube that has, like, different things on each side um, that I mess around with while I'm recording, but I don't want to do that. That's... I hate that. Um, I hate it very much. Um, oh, okay. This is fun. This is a fun thing because I think um, this is something I was talking about earlier today. Uh, I think you are aware of um, my friend and possibly yours, uh, Avery uh, McDaldno. And her work um, in the role-playing game kind of realm? I'm actually not, so... Really? Interesting. Okay, I think you would like it. Um, So my friend Avery wrote a game a few years ago called Monster Hearts. And this is a game that is... It's like a pen and paper role-playing game. And... um, it is about being sexy teen monsters. And uh, uh, Lee Alexander, past guest, um, friend of the show, actually wrote a really good write-up of her experience playing the game, I think for Shut Up and Sit Down um, a year or two ago. But yeah, it's basically like Twilight or Buffy or like any kind of like thing like that where like you're a teen and you're a monster vampire diaries. Um, so 
you are a teen, but you're also a ghost or a werewolf or a vampire. And um, you have to navigate, like, being a teen, but also being a monster. And, like, a lot of the game is, it's not, like, it's a very well-crafted system in the same way that Lady Killer and a Bind is a, is a system that's crafted to, in, in concert with the idea of the story that it's telling. Um, I would compare this to Lady Killer in the same way that I would compare D&D to a Dragon Age or a, an Elder Scrolls game where... Um, the game purports to be about storytelling, but is really, you know, about combat or violence or whatever. Um, Monster Hearts, like Lady Killer, is about um, social relationships. And so the rules are really there to emphasize that, not to emphasize the sort of physics of swinging a sword and hitting someone. Um, and uh, it's a really cool game. And I was thinking about it today because I'm thinking of starting a game with it. And um, the... You can buy the PDF now, and um, you can also buy the print copy, which is expected to ship in June. She had a successful Kickstarter to um, uh, do a second edition of the book. Um, and um, yeah, Avery Alder's Monster Hearts 2 is going to be my recommendation for this week. Wow, that sounds incredible. I, I definitely actually want to. You should really I look into do that. it. It sounds very much in your wheelhouse. Extremely, although. I haven't played like any sort of um, like role playing game in, in a long time. It's just I feel like that's always a problem, right? Like finding people to go along with this. Uh, yeah. And I feel like always like super intimidated. And I think other people feel intimidated too. It's like, oh, you're a writer. Obviously, you must be. Good. No, I'm, I'm not <laughs> good at thinking on the fly at all. If I was good at thinking on the fly, I would like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be writing. Writing is what you do when you need like to sit down and think long and hard about it. Definitely not good. But <laughs> right, you would be an improv comic if you were good at thinking on the fly exactly although actually i i think that's my recommendation is lately i've been lately i've been getting into um, music just like i've been playing keyboard for the first time in a like a very long time many 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 years uh -huh. and part of what's fun about this is just like i don't have to be good at it at all it's actually just something i'm really bad at but it's fun yeah and it's just nice to have you know like sort of an artistic hobby that is like something that there's no pressure on i'm never going to be really good at this it's just it's creative but also like i'm allowed to be bad and i feel like that's my recommendation is like if you're an artist like find a hobby find an artistic form that you can just be bad at just for the sake of being like having fun with it and like don't set like high goals for that it's been honestly like really helpful in recovering from you know, this super long art project where I was like, I have to be the best. I have to win an award. With this, I'm never going to win any musical awards. Um, frankly, <laughs> like you're not, you're not even getting my private SoundCloud. Just that doesn't exist. No one's ever going to hear this. Yeah. But yeah. it's fun. Like art can actually be fun when you're not doing it. <laughs> who would have thought? Who knew? Yeah. That is so important though. Having an outlet that you're not trying to turn into a thing that you do publicly, I think is, um, is really important. And I'm super glad that you found that. So I would second that recommendation for sure. Like art that you don't have to be good at, that you'll never make money off. This, this can be the one thing that you don't try to monetize for an audience. Yeah. Which is always the, I mean, I think that ties into what we're saying about streaming. Like, you know, you have something that's fun. You're like, Oh, well I can make money off this. And then suddenly that changes your framing completely. Mm-hmm. 
it turns into you. I have to be good at this. I have to, you know. Yeah, I I think like just have something that's low pressure. Yeah, yeah. Find a thing, um, and do the thing, and don't stress about the thing. Man, that radical. What what an incredible concept. I can't it's, believe it took me this long to figure that out. <laughs> it's tough. Ah, it's really tough. Well, I feel like that basically brings us to the end of this here podcast. Um, is there anything coming up that you would like to plug? Um, I know, like I, like I said, we will put the links to Lady Killer in the show notes. Um, are you doing any con things or anything anytime soon? Or are you just sort of taking, you know, a break from that stuff for the next little while? I'm taking a break from that stuff until um, PAX. We're going to hopefully have another visual novel reading room, which was a thing that we did. But no, got nothing coming up. Really cool. excited about that nothing. Just... That's fantastic. Congrats. So if you want to fill that nothing, please play Lady Killer and tell me who you thought the hottest was. That's that's what I, I want to know. Who'd you fuck? I, I mean, I really love the boat. I feel like the boat is like the the secret character, the secret seventh character of the game, because like the boat is really a character. You know, like New York is a character in like a lot of films. Like the boat is a character to me. Hmm. Um, that sounds like a cop out. Well, I have a I have a real answer, but it's very problematic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, moving on. <sighs> um. Well, my less problematic answer is the. I guess it's still problematic. The guy who's your cousin. <laughs> I'm, I just zero in on those problematic faves. I'm like a hawk. I'm just always on them. Um, but uh, yeah. No, the athlete. Yeah, definitely try to hook up with the athlete if you play Lady Killer. It's fun. Um, yeah, it's funny in a game about lesbians. I'm like, oh, who are these guys? What's their deal? <laughs> I want to know about them. Um, but, well, I mean, yeah. that's why it's, you know, politically subversive that actually the men are all kind of bad. They suck. <laughs> well, actually, the athlete's perfect. He's never done anything wrong. And he's my precious pure boy. Um, protect him at all costs. He's very sensitive. Uh, he's the soft, I would say he's a soft kind of boy, uh, maybe. Um, yeah, he's a soft boy. He's, he's unproblematic. He's, he's unproblematic. He can never do wrong. Um, we love him and all of his his various acts. Um and that will definitely do it for us this week. So um, thank you so much for being on. And uh, oh, um, what's your Twitter in case people want to follow you, if you want people to follow you? I don't want people to follow me and you don't. It's all terrible. But my Twitter is Christine Love, no space or underscore or anything. So that's at Christine Love, no space or underscore or anything. Uh, it's kind of long. But, it's um, really long. I can't believe they gave me that many characters. I'm surprised they usually don't let you go that far. Um, <laughs> okay, but um, I am um, shaking myself apart with um, just the weight of uh, it being four o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, yeah, I, thank you so much for coming on. This was super fun. Thank um, you for having me. And please enjoy your well-earned um relaxation music streaming etc i will do my best thank you cool all right i'll talk to you later bye bye
Spoon Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>